I would consent to being fucked. You would? Yeah. You would? What's what's Why the reasoning not? behind that? Why not? Talking in his jail cell, like the only feeling I had was, wow, that's nicely de- I maybe I should do something like that. I do have a pig fetus. One pig fetus. But no human organs. No human organs. Is that something you're looking to acquire? Sex, life, death, rebirth. Yeah. So everybody's getting turned on by the death. Hello and welcome to ScottCast, the super colorful original telecommunicator transmission, otherwise known as ScottCast. I'm here today with Ian Dixon, and we're going to be talking all about B-movies and living in your car and living out of your car and living without your car. So, be, hello Ian, how you doing? I'm doing well, how are you? I'm doing okay, I've been better. We didn't do the clap this time, I'm uh. kind of... <laughs> there it is. Scott's got the clap. I've got the clap. <laughs> I understand that you would like to find a way to just get rid of your vehicle just altogether. You haven't had good experiences with vehicles in general. Yeah, recently I uh, my my vehicle tried to kill me. Yeah, and that and it's in a really sadistic kind of uh, like sneaky murder way, not just like a, oh I'm just gonna stop working. It, it was like ooh. It was like yeah, it kind of like poisoned me while I was driving. Yeah, know? the carbon monoxide entered the thing. It was not not a good situation. Since have acquired a separate vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm thinking the car thing is just kind of, just kind of sucks. It's played out. Yeah, it's played out. Where? How? How far away do you work? I work about. It's like between four and five miles. So it's like, nothing. That's bikeable. Certainly bikeable. It's bikeable, and you'll be there. And most most people's normal commute times when they're driving. Yeah, the Michigan weather kind of throws a, a wrench in those spokes, though, in that. It would be bikeable like half the year, probably. Well, with global warming and all the snow melting, you know, maybe you could actually go in there and start um, biking to work throughout most of the winter. And when it gets to the heavy winter months, just, you know, get bigger tires for your bike and troll through it. But, you know, eventually you'll be there. Yeah. I mean, we did have a mild winter last year, uh, but I don't know. Um, that's kind of what's what's got me on the fence there. Mm hmm. I've seen people, though. I've seen people, like, in the worst parts of winter, like, there they are, they got their face scarf on, and they're pedaling away just as much as a car would be, and they're just doing it every day. I think you could do it. I think it's just a matter of acclimating yourself to the harsh conditions, and if you're riding your bike every day, I feel like once you once it gets to, like, five inches of snow or whatever, whatever the cutoff point for riding a bike in snow would be, You'll just be like, you know what? I'm better than this. I've done this every day. It's just a little colder now and maybe a little bit harder to get through the sludge. But I think the worst thing you got to think about when you get to a, riding a bike instead of driving a car is if you get hit while you're in a car, you know, it's an insurance claim. But if you get hit while riding a bike, it's like there goes your head. True. You know, it's a lot more dangerous to ride a bike, I think. I don't know the statistics. And that was that was my my previous job was working with uh, adults with traumatic brain injuries, and that's one way to get it. Some of those were bicycle accidents. They were. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I see why you've been hesitating to pull the thing trigger there. <laughs> it, it looks like it, it seems like you're blaming the winter. You're blaming Michigan, but really, 
there's some latent uh, uh, un- understandable fears. Yeah, I mean, well, and part of it is also like how disgusting would I be when I get to work after biking five miles? Right. Right. Yeah, that's another thing. Like, I don't understand how people do that. Like, my dad used to bike to work, and he'd bike to work from uh, more than five miles out, and um, he was the boss guy, so it's like not any, like anybody could have told him otherwise, but uh, I just don't understand how he got to the shower, but he did. Like, he somehow yeah. did. I think he might have used some other room, maybe he went somewhere else. I don't know, but it's like... I could do, like, a, a hobo shower in the, the like, employee bathroom yeah. kind of thing. I think about that sometimes. <laughs> I think about what it would be like to not have a not have a house at all and like do the opposite of what you want to do. Like I want to know what it's like to just live in my car, like me and Kyle in a van yeah. by the river or something. And it's like, okay, well, you can have your car and you can take it anywhere. You don't have to pay rent on it. There's going to be a little bit extra maintenance because, you know, you're driving it everywhere. But you know what? Maybe you should be paying attention to the maintenance of your vehicle a little bit more, Scott. You know, with all the, the development going on in, in downtown Detroit, that's kind of ideal. Like, right? Riverfront property. Riverfront property, whatever river you want. There you go. All the riverfronts. <laughs> See, that is a, not a bad thing. All I have to do is make sure that my cat can live in a car. Yeah. You know, he seems a sturdy kind of guy. He's not much for space. He used to live in a well, studio he was, apartment. He was feral him. before you got him, right? He was feral. Well, like he was feral when the Humane Society picked him up, I yeah. think. And so, and we got him when he was like six weeks to 12 weeks or something like that. So, you know, maybe he would live better outside and like just understanding, hey, go to that van. But then again, I don't want to raise my cat with the understanding, hey, go to that van. <laughs> I feel like that'll feel like that's a bad way to raise a cat is to tell him to go to that unmarked van over there, you know, the one that looks familiar. Bad ra- bad way to raise anything really. Yeah. You don't want your kids going to just strange vans. And- yeah. This is why when this is why I don't have children. <laughs> even though I am of the age when the previous generation of this fine country would have normally had children. I am 27 years old, and most people, you know, in the previous, you know, baby boomer kind of generation, they all were, like, settling down by now, you know, like that's having a, kids. and That's a thing that's that's come to mind for me recently. I don't know if I have a point to this, but everyone I have dated, except for my wife, has children right now everyone you've dated every except for single your wife pers- yes. has ch- how much pressure is that that's like what the fuck i'm trying to think of friends of mine who i know who are in like my peer group and who do have kids and i can't actually think of any i mean two of my siblings have kids but and the like within my peer group besides the ones who got kids like right out of high school because they didn't know what to do <laughs> You know, with the whole <laughs> preventative measure thing. <laughs> you know, the ones, for the guys who skipped that class. But besides those people, like, I don't know anybody who, like, went out. I got I knew people who got married. But I don't know anybody who took the next step and actually started getting kids and stuff like that. I just don't know any of them. I feel like maybe it's, maybe that's kind of breaking off kids. That, uh, people in our generation are taking longer to settle. They're taking longer to have kids. And it's like... Probably because we're poor, but also, you know, maybe it's because these things just don't have as much value as they used to, as much cachet. Freedom has a little bit more value these days, or at least some form of sanity. 
or being able to escape from things, but who knows? Yeah. And that's kind of relevant to the, the living in the van kind of thing. Right. Like, why not live in I a van? I don't know. What does, uh, what does happiness mean? What, do, what do we really want for ourselves? And for me, like, I don't know. There's, there's different levels of like, that wouldn't work for me. One is that I just have a lot of shit. Like I love stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's you have collections. You've got you've got yeah. you've got vinyls. You got vinyls up the wazoo. You got all sorts of things. You got a bunch of B movies. All the terrible movies. I love your B movie collection. I've never <laughs> met anybody with a more extensive B movie collection. I've never met anybody with more passion for B movies. It's like for you, B movies are A movies, and A movies are no movies. It is not movies at all. <laughs> How did you get into B movies? That is a good question. Like, like what brings um, one to like to like you know not only view it as a genre but view it as like an art form like you have? I think a lot of that came from kind of my high school experience and like. So you knew like friends who were into B movies, and they were like showing it, or it was more so. I was sort of a reject, and so that I rejected anything that was sort of mainstream. Okay, okay, so you, as a part of your personality, and you so, can... so, yeah, I was, like, attracted to the obscure, and that included music and mo- film, and so, yeah, the small group of friends I did have, we we kind of gravitated toward the weirdest shit you could find. There was a video watch. Video watch, what's that? Back when there was, like, places that rented vhs oh, okay so like movies. a group of people who went to blockbusters yes. and like we're like oh there's like, a new one yeah it was like a uh a, a blockbuster competitor and they had their own cult section which had a, a fair collection of trauma films oh the new trauma film is oh. in someone go to the payphone real quick and call <laughs> everybody <laughs> and so video video watch went under was taken over by hollywood video wait what was taken over by hollywood video Video Watch. Wait, this was, was a chain it's, of oh, like a blockbuster type oh rental place. I thought this was like a. This, I thought this was like an activity that you and your friends partook in that you dubbed Video Watch. And what it was is people will know. go to the various rental a, stores. That was a legit uh, company. Oh, that was not uh, obviously very not successful. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly not a successful company. <laughs> Uh, Don't so feel bad. <laughs> but they had their cult section, and then um, Hollywood Video took that over and maintained the uh, the stock. Maintained the stock. So they, took, they bought the inventory. And they, they bought, yeah. Okay. So they, they took over the store, and it was just redubbed Hollywood Video, and then eventually that went under, and then eventually Blockbuster shit the bed, and every there you can't rent videos anywhere anymore. It's a shame. It, it, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of a shame because it takes away from the experience. Everything's just a browsing, endless browsing thing. And when I get to the point where I'm endlessly browsing, I just watch. I just end up watching the same things all the time. Yeah, because it's like I, I get tired of browsing. But because like, like you don't get tired of browsing when it's like a, you, it becomes a trip and like you get to go to the store and it has that that tape store smell. You know that thing that only people who've been to tape stores know what the smell is. <laughs> I guess maybe you can stack a bunch of VHS types and get approximation. One of my favorite memories is uh, I rented. Uh, it's like Children of the Living Dead. <laughs> it's like Children of the Corn mixed with zombies. Yeah, I don't remember anything about the movie except that the case it came in had like a crust on it. 
<laughs> like someone probably threw up on it. Oh, really? It was oh, geez, that was the that's what you identified it as. Oh, well, like did they throw up on it? One was it was it a accidental throw up or was it a reaction to this movie? Do you think? Did you end up watching? And that's it? the thing. I don't I don't recall anything about the movie. So it was probably reaction to it the was, movie. It was probably not real memorable because I was watching some again crazy kind of shit. Okay, so it just didn't do it for... It didn't do it for me. It did it for this person, somehow. Apparently, someone had a reaction to it, though, yeah. Yeah, very visceral reaction. <laughs> Either that or to the snacks, things they bought. Could be. The bean, bean burrito they might have made during the, <laughs> <laughs> during the thing. Never mix bean burritos and bee movies. That is your first lesson from this podcast, besides go live in your car. <laughs> or get rid of your car. You either live in it or don't have one at all. So if you're going to live in it, though, you got to have like a, a spacious vehicle, though. Yeah, like what I'm thinking is like you see a bunch of people on the internet do this. You see a bunch of people on Reddit dedicated to uh, living in your car and like how it, what it takes to do it. And there's some people, they just go all out. They buy like a Econo van or something like that. They mm-hmm. gut it and they basically make a little studio, like a, like a little, you know, you've seen those Hong Kong studio apartments. Yeah. They basically make a Hong Kong studio apartment in a van. Nice. And it's and it's like, you know what? I'd live in that. <laughs> I would. Like I don't need a lot of space. It's you just like, gotta like fold up a kitchen into the side and Yeah, exactly. Just like yeah. have a place to make food, a little place to sleep, place to do your computer things, like for me for my job, and it's like boom, that's literally all I need besides a place for my cat. You know? And like everything that I have now. And I've noticed since I've moved from a studio apartment to a place in Hamtramck where this there there's more space in general, I've discovered like almost everything I've bought, I've kind of bought because I have space. Because it's like before I was <laughs> just here, just like empty. Yeah, it was just empty, like you call Norwegian it. prison. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it looked like a Norwegian prison, which is actually kind of a compliment compared to a different kind of prison. They do prisons pretty well in Norway. They got they got They're pretty fucking nice. Yeah. yeah. Here's the deal: is when when I first moved in here, and the first couple months I was in here, I didn't have any curtains or anything like that, and we were watching a document. What documentary was that? The one about the black metal people. Yeah who burned down churches in Norway and who killed one of their band members. Like, Until the Light Takes Us, I think. Something like that. Something like that. But they were interviewing one of the guys, and he was in a Norwegian prison, and every time it cut to a scene of him talking in his jail cell, like, the only feeling I had was, wow, that's nicely... De- I, maybe I should do something like that. Maybe I should get a lamp with a shade on it. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of just bare bulbs. <laughs> Strung on wire. Ian brought over, uh, Ian watched the movie, well, for, rewatched it, right? I rewatched it. Um, I was, I guess, inspired by Scott Cast number three, was it? Maybe. But anyway, there was lots of references in that, that particular Scott Cast. Uh, we talked about whether Tinder was fucked, and we talked about Jeffrey Dahmer and his his kind of experiences with uh, necrophilia, the, the dating and, scene, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> so that that kind of just brought to mind um, some films that I've seen. Speaking of my my B film repertoire, <laughs> and uh, so I decided to prepare a review of Necromantic. <laughs> Necromantic, the original, may be easier to rec- 
to acquire because it was recently re-released on Blu-ray. Ooh. Um, Necromantic 2 is very limited. I think that was a special edition like out of 20,000. What do you get when you get a B-movie and they release it on Blu-ray? Like, what are you getting? Because, like, they don't record with, like, Blu-ray quality video, no, do it's, they? It's uh, so it's remastered and it's got, like, the special features and all that shit like uh interviews with the director and all okay all that um but it was just like impossible to find prior to that and so they uncovered this this gem of cinema (laughs) 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 um and so i I prepared a a review all righty all righty and this was made in in 87 so i was one year old when this was released that was negative two and uh, it's a German film uh, directed by Jörg Buttgreit. Jörg Buttgreit? Buttgreit. Jörg Buttgreit. Um, and basically, it follows uh, a young man named Rob is an employee at a street cleaning agency, with mm. quotations... Um, He's a lowly street sweeper, is he? A street cleaning agency, but apparently it's it's really like the sort of the uh, the crime scene cleanup crew. Ooh! So they go and find like bodies and like pick them up, and they've got all this like heavy duty hazmat gear on, but they just have like bare hands and they're like <laughs> scooping up guts and stuff. And so he's got he he kind of like pockets some stuff. What, what do you mean he pockets some, like he pockets watches? Like he steals organs. Or, why is he stealing organs? He's got like a collection at his home. He's he's kind of like me, and then he's he's real into collecting, and he's so his apartment's <laughs> full of like jars with eyeballs and stuff. For the, for the record, I've been to his apartment. There's no jars of eyeballs that I've seen. I do have a pig fetus. One pig fetus. But no human organs. No human organs. Is that something you're looking to acquire or <laughs> <laughs> recreationally? Uh, I should say. We'll we'll plead the fifth on that. <laughs> okay, we're, we can't we can't pot about organ acquisition. But anywho, so but yeah. we can pot about other people's organ acquisition. Go on. <laughs> so he's yeah he's he's got this gig. He's cleaning up bodies, scooping them up with his bare hands, taking little bits for himself. He's got uh, kind of a degenerate girlfriend who just hangs out all day in his apartment looking at his creepy collection, and she apparently gets off on that stuff. Is is that like a is that like a known thing that that's what that's why she's with this person is because of his collection or is it just like you know two peas in a pod? Well, I mean, uh, it's unclear. Later on, she she kind of turns out to be. Kind of a bitch. Oh, uh, she's not one of the. She doesn't. It's not a lasting relationship. There are spoilers, by the way. Um, not that anyone's gonna go out and watch <laughs> Necromantic. But... They might. They might. <laughs> so yeah, he's 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 doing this gig. He's stealing the organs, bringing them home. You know, it's, it's, it sounds like he's got a great life. He's got a he's got a job that that is clearly something that he's passionate about. Mm-hmm. You know, he's able to bring that passion home, literally. And not only that, but at this, at least at the start of this movie, he's got some somewhat of a satisfying symbiotic relationship with this lady uh, that's tied into everything. It's, it sounds like nothing can go wrong, but what happens? Yeah, so she's super into it. Um, and he's like, oh man, I got to up the stakes. Uh-huh. 
so at some point there's uh they find a body in like a pond or some shit and he it's fairly intact i mean it's, it's pretty decomposed so he's gonna get the full enchilada. but it's like it's all connected it's mm. not like dismembered and so he's like hey i'm not they they assign him to transport the body to and just him right the morgue wherever it's supposed to go and he's like hmm he thinks about it a minute. Pizza delivery guys lose their pizzas all <laughs> the time. And he's like, oh, I'm going to throw this in my uh, my VW, and we're going to trek it back to my apartment here. And he, he pops in with the, the girlfriend, and she's like flipping her shit about it. She's like, yeah. Yeah. So 30 minutes in, threesome with a corpse. 30 minutes in. Just 30. 30 minutes into the film. What's the runtime on this beast about? This is, it's like... An hour and 20 minutes, approximately. Okay. I mean, it's called Neck Romantic. Yeah. It's not a full length. It's close, but not mm. quite. No, I'm, I'm just saying it's called Neck Romantic. 30 minutes in and we're just starting. It's getting romantic. It's now just getting <laughs> romantic. It was the sweetest gift he could have brought his lady. It was the was it in one entire corpse. So it's like pretty, she's pretty excited. They get they get down and they like saw off. Uh, I don't. Know, it was like a looks like part of a bedpost. Like to, oh, okay, because the the dick's gone. Oh oh yes. Oh. So they they create a, a phallus. Okay, you know they create a phallic instrument. You yep. know, and so there's a there's a there's a threesome scene. Okay, there's, there's that, and um, the part about that 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 kind of stuck out to me most upon rewatching it was that. This corpse has like one eye left. One eye. And the couple kind of takes turns like sucking it out of the socket and then putting it back. Wow. And when the eye is in the corpse, it looks terrified. <laughs> A terrified eye? That's a nice little detail. <laughs> so the corpse may not be consenting to this behavior, but. I don't think it would. Yeah. I don't think it would. I don't think. I don't think. You know, I'm all about donating my body to, like, <laughs> science. And one thing that I've really wanted to do, I've really wanted to donate my body to the study of, uh, what's it called? Chirogenics or Cairo? You know, that thing where you freeze? Where freeze you? I want to I, I donate my body to the study of the freezing of a body to be preserved for later resuscitation. Mm-hmm. I just imagine that is the, if you're going to donate your body to something, donate it to the cause of immortality. What if that See goes what wrong, though? What we, how could it possibly go wrong? Like, okay, you die. What if they bring you back and it's like horrible? Oh, and it's like, oh yeah, and it's like <laughs> being alive again is a terrible thing. Well, yeah. you know, you could just... You guys be like, oh, quit it. Oh, you guys got it wrong. Okay, you guys got it wrong. I bought, you guys got to just quit it. Just, ah! You know, do something like that. Like, just be cognizant of that, you know. I feel like if you prepare yourself for the whole time. Woo! <laughs> I feel like if you prepare yourself for the whole time for it, then, like, you know, maybe you'll have the presence of mind once you're, you know, resurrected to, to be able to state your opinion on uh, living some more once you get to that point. What if it's like, uh, what's that Metallica song though? About it was like the dude from World War One who like lost all his senses, but he was still conscious. Hmm. Never heard about that. I think it was called One. Okay. Like so, he, he lost. He lost yeah, his and so senses, he's, but he was. They're still keeping conscious. him alive because he's live, 
and uh-huh. you you can just like let him die. He's a soldier. He's uh, tough shit. Okay. Um, but he can't communicate. He can't hear or see. And he's just like a tortured existence, and they're just keeping him alive. So like a, like a vegetable situation. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be in a vegetable situation. So how? But what if that was what? What chirogenics uh, was? Yeah, and you're just like you can't communicate that you want to die. Hmm. Well, like I always thought, chirogenics was was they freeze you and like so it's like you're in a you know you're in a still state. Your mind isn't working. And then like you assume that. I do assume that, but I guess I am donating, so well, you know, beggars can't be choosers, I'm saying. So anyway, big old tangent. <laughs> I was just interested in the idea of uh, my corpse consenting to something, and the only thing it would consent to is chirogenics research, so that I may one day live again and roam these hills. You know, I would, I would consent to being fucked. You would? Yeah. You would? What's, what's the reasoning not? behind that? Why not? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not. I mean, it seems unsavory. I'm just. I'm just gonna rot in the ground. Like, if somebody can get pleasure from my rotting corpse, that's awesome. I feel like there are better things for your rotting corpse to be doing. Like what? Fertilizing the soil. Amongst that. <laughs> like, let me get fertilized, and then I'll fertilize the soil. That's too much fertilizing <laughs> talk. <laughs> but what I'm thinking is like. So, like, you're basically saying, okay, once somebody's corpse is there, you know, there's either no value at all, which would just be, you know, using it as a placeholder for your spirit, like putting it in a grave and mm. calling it that and putting it in a box and putting concrete over it. And, like, okay, so there's no utilitarian value here. But you're saying a step up would be, hey, there's people here in this society, you know, who look at necromantic as more of a biofilm than a B-movie, you know? And they're like, well, you know what? That's the kind of life I want to live. But they can't just do that. They, there's, not, there's, no, there's laws against there's that. There's laws yeah. against that. So, like, maybe if there was, like, maybe if there was a consenting small group of the population that was like, okay, put it on, my, on the back of my license. If I die, I would like to be donated to the cause of um, keeping uh, necrophiliacs satisfied. Again, like if I feel like maybe maybe getting your heart because the issue the issue is consent, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose I suppose the issue is consent in that so, sense. I feel like the issue is something different when it's a dead person. That's the thing. Like if I consent before I die, then who the fuck cares? So, but like, are I mean, you consenting may- to be? like in general or do you have a specific necrophile in mind or should it be a necrophile who has not committed the crime because i think the the problem is we have well i don't want to get into religion (laughs) (laughs) but uh that yeah that's the the problem is it's like this idea of like kind of desecration of a corpse yeah so your belief there's some sacred like oh spiritual thing and i don't i don't believe in that so like i don't give a fuck desecration of a corpse you can you can cremate me and spread me around wherever um one of my (laughs) i won't name any names (laughs) 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 it's always a good story when when you have to start with that (laughs) speaking of like my my uh my class of of i'm trying to think of a better word than f- they were friends Your peer but group? they were they were uh 
they were deeper than that. They were. I mean, deeper than that. Yeah, they understood me. Oh, your co- like your my. Uh, oh, jeez. Uh, what's the word for that? Mm, your cohort. No. Sure, we'll go with cohort. I guess I it's know. really a. It's the worst word we could have picked. Yeah. Your your band of fellows, your fellowship. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Anywho, yeah. So the group, the group in high school, we uh, we debated this topic. You debated what? Wait, wait, wait which part of the topic? Um, whether necrophilia should be something you well, can donate we, your body to? Or I not? mean, it was a Catholic high school. We talked about afterlife and all that bullshit, and um, we all kind of had similar ideas about not really feeling that, and what would we actually want for our after our what would happen to our bodies or whatever? And so, one of the prevailing ideas in my group was. Um, it would be awesome to be cremated and have our ashes put into baby food. What? <laughs> <laughs> Why? Wait, wait. Where? Like, I, I was like on board, on board, on board. What? Why? Because they're allowed a a certain percentage of contaminants. Okay, so you, so you want, and it be... would just be so. Uh, so I'm, you're saying the FDA currently allows a certain percentage of contaminants and you yes. and what you want, what you'd like to request upon dying, according <laughs> to this, is is I would like to be a part of that percentage. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just sprinkle me in a thousand baby food containers. Precisely. I wanna go on and I wanna go on the youth of America. I don't wanna yeah. I don't wanna go on in the in a in a puddle of water by being spread over the ocean. No, put me inside the next generation <laughs> so I can live amongst them and breathe and love again. Exactly. Live life. Yeah. So we were talking about the threesome. Yeah. So so these guys, you know, uh, this guy brings home the big enchilada to his lady friend. Mm. Uh, they, uh, you know, they give it, um, so, so they give it an artificial phallus and uh, they go to town. Mm-hmm. And so how does this movie proceed from that point? It seems like it seems like it's committed its necromantic uh goal, but how does the plot advance? What's the deal? Yeah, so there's there's the couple, right? Mhm. And so obviously the both the male and female counterparts are are kind of into that. So it's got like a codependent necrophiliac relationship between the two. You would say. Well, why I, would you analyze these people as a professional? there are actually like deeper themes it's like actually really it's a pretty well-made film oh okay technically where's the deeper thing because all i'm hearing is they had sex with i'll get into that later okay both kind of degenerates she's she's just kind of staying home and like hanging out with his his little corpse bits Mm -hmm. um he goes back to work he's doing the hard work of bringing the he's still cleaning the the streets Yeah. <laughs> He's at Joe's Street Cleaning Agency. That's the name of the <laughs> That's the name of the agency that gives hazmat suits but not gloves. Yes. <laughs> so he goes back to work. Um he shows up late. Joe's like, What the fuck are you doing? He gets canned. He gets shit canned. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, she's back home. She's still all into this corpse. And there's a cunnilingus sing scene at Good God. Thirty six minutes. This is the dirtiest movie this I've is, ever heard so of. So this is six minutes past the threesome scene. Um and Cunnilingus, obviously he's like 
it's a corpse, so she's just really rubbing his like rotting face on her shit. Mm. And uh that's what's happening. So that's fun. That's 30, fun. Thirty six minutes in. Thirty six minutes. So this is just only six minutes past six the previous. Minutes past. <laughs> so there was like one scene maybe between the two. Yeah. <laughs> so he loses his job. Um she's like, dude, you're a fucking loser. What are you doing with your life? Mm. She's not doing shit with her life. What's no. she talking about? Yeah. But she runs off with the corpse. She literally leaves him. With the corpse. With the corpse. She takes the corpse with her. So she's just like, you know what? I'm going to leave you for a You know what? Real I man. found a better man. <laughs> <laughs> but she leaves the cat. She leaves the cat. They had a cat. They had also. a cat that she leaves. She left the cat and so took gets the to corpse. Keep, you get to keep the cat at least. Um, soon thereafter. Oh, boy. Uh, oh, boy. Also, <laughs> disclaimer for this film... This particular film Kyle, uh, ears. is not for the faint of heart in that there's some... some oh, by the way. There's, <laughs> there's some animal cruelty. Uh, not not like actual animal murder. Well, well yeah. <laughs> maybe also actual. Also actual. So there's... Uh, no, but he murders the cat out of like rage for her leaving. Rage cat murder. That was not an actual cat murder. It wasn't a real cat murder. But there is an actual, like, uh, a rabbit being... Oh, really? They used an actual rabbit? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, like, gratuitous just for the film. It was, like, you could tell they went to, like, a farm where they, they like... Or that's just what they do, and they just yeah. filmed, they just showed bits of it. Yeah, yeah. You're talking about you're talking about but getting the was, fur off the rabbit, right? For me, yeah. Honestly, that was the most disturbing part of the film. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be. I mean, if it's real footage, I mean, I've yeah. seen some of that stuff. I mean, it's not pleasant. To it's watch. not pleasant. No. I mean, but it's yeah, it's like I saw this one video years ago. Um, that was like the idea of it was like they were trying to it was like a PETA kind of video and it was like you know what in some places they do some crazy crap to get your meat in there like what they were doing was they were taking they were flailing and skinning animals alive because mm. the pain apparently that they have to go through somehow tenderizes or releases some sort of endorphin in the meat or something like that it's supposed to make it tastier and so, like, you know, jury's out whether that's a thing, but, like, still, it's like there's, like, this whole tiny, like, industry in, like, other countries and stuff like that that might, I don't know if they're still doing it. This was years ago. I didn't exactly follow through with any of this. But, you know, it, it could just be that. It could, like, yeah. it's, like, it's it's just a disgusting, it's it's it's, it's a bad thing to just watch. It's, yeah. It's a very visceral thing to watch, I should say. Yeah. Very visceral. <clears throat> and so for, upon my rewatching, I, I, skipped through those bits okay so you couldn't even watch it again i no really yeah um like what was the plot point of this so that gets into there's like themes about kind of life and death and rebirth i think that plays into that again i i kind of skipped through those bits yeah yeah uh, yeah so i don't i don't know if i'm making the right connections um it kind of but like I mean, in describing the scene, it's it's kind of similar to like I don't know if you've seen like Roger and Me. No, was, was that one? That's um, Michael Moore did a, a documentary about like Flint way back in the nineties. Oh, okay. 
and there's like this guy selling rabbit meat and he like fucking beats the rabbits on the head and shit and oh really yeah and then like so it's it's like it's like that it's like it's not uh it's not gratuitous but it's it's gratuitous if you're not used to that kind of you're not used yeah, to seeing that it's kind not of something thing. i want to watch you know and it's the fact that it's real is like it's it's disheartening right mm-hmm. and so there's there was other films other b movies that kind of shredded that line and um one of them cuz like they're trying to they're trying to what are they trying to do they're trying to like go over the line they don't want to they don't want to actually offend people but they well, do want to shock they do, them so yeah uh, they they want to shock them more than the other so person so like there was um cannibal holocaust is kind of one of the the infamous ones where they it was more of a an exploitation film it was one of the in what way what do they do <clears throat> Well, it was like an Italian horror film. It was about like a cannibal tribe in the Amazon somewhere or some shit. And there was a lot of actual like animal killing in that. And it, that was disturbing for me too. I don't, I didn't care for the film. Like endless, like just slaughter of animals for no reason. Like, yeah, like there was a fucking lizard that they just kind of stabbed for no reason. And there, there was a turtle that they, they kill, they decapitate it, and it, like limbs still moving, and that that fucked me up. I I wasn't all about that. Mm. Um, so this is this was a little different because like, it was they, somewhat they filmed, more tame than that. But it, it was it was filmed at like it a was not farm. something I cared to watch. Yeah, it was filmed at like a farm where they were doing it anyway. Right, 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 right. But so it's but it's still it's like okay, so you have to include that. Why? You so that's kind it. of the caveat for this this particular film is that there's some animal cruelty, and I don't. That yeah, if you were on board through the necrophilia part, <laughs> <laughs> now is the time we got to sit you down and get you a little less excited. <laughs> so, so like, so he goes. There's a rabbit killing yeah. aspect of it. So we got we got onto that because he he murders the cat. The cat killing is very fake, clearly. Oh, and they what they use a rabbit farm. The rabbit they use farm is for for reals. Oh, okay. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So, so he kills the cat. And they use yeah. footage from the rabbit farm to show it, show it, make it realistic or something. What are they doing? That was, it was separate. Oh, okay. oh, there's a different scene. I'll have to get when we get into the deeper meanings. I'll, I'll get into the rabbit stuff. Great. Um, but he's he's mad about girlfriend leaving, so he murders the cat. Cat murder. Cat murder. And he's kind of going off his rocker, and he's like, "Man, I gotta, I gotta." find a way to blow off some steam so he goes to a movie mm. it goes to a movie yeah <laughs> it's like ah just gotta take it easy go to a movie ah when you said he was gonna blow off some steam so i didn't think he was gonna choose going to a movie yeah well he goes to a horror film oh of course you know he's in germany so it's gonna be kind of a little fucked up probably um yep chick it's basically like some guy hunting down a, a lady and like knife fucking her what <laughs> i've skipped that category on my internet browsing and meanwhile there's like all these couples there and they're like making out so it's like again kind of playing into uh those themes that he and his girlfriend were getting into like that's the the death and li- sex and life and rebirth right so there's mm. these themes running throughout sex life death rebirth yeah so everybody's getting turned on by the death by the the violence mm. 
And he's sitting there and was like, man, fuck, I got to get out of here. So he runs out of the theater. Naturally. Um, what's, the, what's the next logical step? <laughs> he runs out of the theater. Next logical step. He goes to get a prostitute. <laughs> That's what I usually do. <laughs> and he's like, well, it's, uh, again, it's, it's dubbed. It's German film. Okay. So you kind of miss some of the dialogue. But she's like, oh, if you want to do it there, it's going to be extra. And you think he's asking for, like, butt stuff or whatever. Mm. No, they're going to the cemetery to do it there. Oh. Oh. Well, yeah. So he gets her up on the gravestone. He's getting ready to go. Can't get it up. Can't get it up? But he's in a graveyard. Can't get it up. It's not enough. But he's in a graveyard. He's, He's had a... A necrophiliac threesome. He, it's not enough. Mm. And she acknowledges that and kind of starts giggling about it. Oh boy! So, uh, so she's disparaging this man, yeah, who's into necrophilia. He doesn't while take, it's not working, while he wants it to work. Hmm. He I'm kind of seeing what he, he doesn't take it. kindly to that. Oh, he doesn't. Oh, I wonder how he reacts. Does he react by scolding her and leaving? He uh, he chokes her to death. Oh. And then he can get it up. And then he's good with that. And he's good with that. It's good to go. Like a typical man, he falls asleep right after. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm bored now. (laughs) Wakes up only to be discovered by the groundskeeper. Sure. Sure. What does the groundskeeper make of this situation? Groundskeeper is like, what the shit? He's he's shocked. He drops his, his shovel. Okay. And is promptly um, decapitated by our hero, Rob. How does he decapitate him? With a shovel. Oh. Groundskeeper comes by. Whoa. Drops the shovel. Rob picks the shovel up. Wow. Top of his head right off. And so now he's got two corpses. Two corpses. Does he do anything? That's like the question I got to ask, I guess. Is this is he going to go with the groundskeeper? Is the groundskeeper not his type? So from there, uh, it kind of gets a little jolly. Oh, he it's like a jolly. Uh, he kind of like frolics in a field a little bit, mm-hmm. and he's like pretty uh, pretty euphoric. He's just euphoric. Yeah, he's just enjoying it. This is a great way to it's wake like, up. You know what? There's a lot of death going on, and he's he's nice. Kinda, He's kind of getting off on it. Yeah, it's nice. Normally, it's only a little bit. Now, it's like all over the place. It's like he doesn't even care about his girlfriend at this point. Yeah. It doesn't fuck, seem like. Fuck her. Is she, is she even around anymore? You know what? That corpse is probably like liquid by now. Oh, yeah. So she made the <laughs> bad decision. He's over here. He's he's filthy he's rich the and dream, corpse. man. And she's over here with that old corpse. And it's like, oh, look who's <laughs> stupid now. <laughs> I see why he's the hero of the story. And so there's like some... Christian imagery in there, and in the, like he uh, he gets out his little crucifix, like metal Jesus to the the cross. Okay. And again, that's kind of these these themes of uh, what's this line between life and death, and you know, uh, the French. The French have a saying. Those French, um, they they refer to orgasms as like the small death, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So it's like again this sort of. Uh, like what? A, what is sexuality? What is life? What is death? It's all about this sort of cycle. 
Okay. Okay. And so there's these themes, and that's kind of the the rabbit thing. Um, so initially, there's like the rabbit being killed, and there was also earlier in the film um, some scenes about uh, phobias, and he was like watching some psychologist on TV or some shit. So it's like, so it's also with to do with fear. <clears throat> yeah, and so it's like. Um, through sex, we're confronting our own deaths. Why? Because it's the little death, but we're also creating life. It's the little death, but it's creating life. So by the through so the act of through the act of perpetrating life, we're admitting that life is temporal, mm-hmm. and that by the by the need by the stark need to create more life, we're acknowledging that life itself is but a flash in the pen. Ah. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm getting it now. I'm getting it. That's why they had sex with a bed body. Oh, okay. And so, yeah. and so his his own phobia is like this this inevitability of his death. And he's having like these images of animal slaughter. <clears throat> so we're building towards the, the climax, literal and figurative. Uh, and so right kind of last, last 10 minutes of the film here... Um, the, the rabbit slaughter and kind of like skinning and butchering mm. plays in reverse and the rabbit comes back and he uh, in an act of uh, his epiphany ooh his epiphany <clears throat> what is his epiphany um, that it's it's one and the same mm-hmm. and so he he commits suicide by stabbing himself in the gut. Meanwhile, like Hari Kari, like a yeah, Japanese like, style, like rusty knife, fucking mm. right in the gut. And meanwhile, his his big paper mache dick is <laughs> ejaculating, spurting blood and semen everywhere. And that's kind of the that's the climax. That's it. Wow, spoilers! It's quite the film. <laughs> it's quite the film. It's got many layers. You understand. It it definitely takes you to a place that's not where you quite expect. I think they're playing it they're leaning really hard on the little death imagery. <laughs> <laughs> they're making their point by making their point as extreme as possible. But I kinda like it. I kinda like it. And this was banned in several countries, by the way. I can see that being banned. <laughs> It's not exactly something like the Ministry of Truth would want you, you know, uh, expounding on. It's, yeah. you know, we've got an impressionable youth. But like I said, it was, uh, as a film, it's well made. It's believable, except for like the paper mache dick. Sure. Like the effects are pretty good, aside from that one. I think that one was mainly because they wanted to try to get around the censors. They still didn't succeed with that. Jeez, <laughs> too little, too late. <laughs> Let's wait till the last last scene just to make it look fake. <laughs> but uh, but there's yeah, there's deeper themes. It's not it's not like the sort of trash cinema you might expect it. Yeah, to it's be. not just it's not just gore and porn. It's gore and porn with a point. Exactly. You know, and that point is, uh, life is pointless. <laughs> <laughs> it's german like we said <laughs> there you go <laughs> but yeah so 
I I went ahead and spoiled that quite a bit. Well, you told the story because uh, again, it's it's one that's difficult to watch. I I particularly am not a fond of the the animal bits in there. Um, but I am going to recommend Necromantic 2, oh, ho, 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 ho. which is the sequel. Are there any animal bits in that one? There is no animal cruelty from my recollection. Um, but this uh, this one is very much along the same vein. So it tells the same kind of basic plot, same basic uh, idea behind the plot? It's, it's yeah. Plot, but did, what's the difference? Plot wise were similar. Um, this one is so our hero, our hero or anti-hero in, in Necromantic was Rob, um, the street cleaning professional, who liked to rob lives from people, <laughs> so he could rob orgasms from them, so he could rob meaning from the world. So in part, so he two, could rob himself of his in, own life. In part two, we are following Monica. Good old Monica. So it's from the female perspective. When was this made? Um, part one was 87 again, so I was one year old. This one, we're looking at 91. Okay. Um, so Monica is obviously a lady. Yes, Monica the lady. And she's into, uh, corpses. And she hears... Like anyone in this universe would be. She hears word of Rob's suicide and decides to, to dig him up. Oh, and give him a little little thing. Okay, but there's also like a a live male romance going on on the side, mm-hmm. and so she's kind of grappling with with uh, what is life, what is death. Yeah, where do we go with that? Who, who do you who's your allegiance to? Um, so I'm not gonna spoil this one. Mm. Okay, but the climax is equally satisfying. Equally satisfying depends on how you define satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> Again, this is from a lady's perspective, so ladies' perspective. I, I like guess, that. I guess it's hard to say what's satisfying. I like that. I like that. <laughs> we can. <laughs> we're not. The, we're not the ones that go on about that. <laughs> but uh, it, it sounds like an excellent film to watch to get with your buddies, especially because it's because there's a lot of shock element to it. And it seems like a good, like, like something. Is it, is it like funny in the way it, like it, it presents all of these shocking things? Or is it like, because you say it's well done. So is it well done to the point where it's like saw and like people are watching it and it's like, it's like, wow, it's just gritty. And like maybe some people find it funny. Um, but like, or is it like more like almost comical? I'd say like, it's, yeah. the tone is fairly serious. The tone of the movie is serious. Um, but like the action? The the effects are pretty realistic. Okay, so it's not like slapstick. No. Okay. Um, one of the, I guess, notable things is there's, like, you imagine a, a corpse decomposing, and there's lots of like goo and shit. I guess, yeah. And so that's that's obvious in the the sex scenes. Ooh, it's very. Oh. <laughs> But also there's like this real kind of like pleasant major scale music going on during that. Oh, major scale music. So it's like, it's kind of like happy. Okay. So, okay. 
It's yeah. So they're really driving home. They're really driving <laughs> home the necromantic point. <laughs> it's very necromantic. Yes. It sounds very necromantic. It sounds like a great date movie. <laughs> That's what I think. I'm gonna have to give that a shot next time. Put that put that on Tinder or something. I don't know. Like I'm talking to on Tinder with we're talking about Mad Men, so I'm gonna be yeah. like, Oh, so you like Mad Men? If you like Mad Men, you're gonna love this movie Ian showed me. So I don't I've I've not watched any of Mad Men, but my impression of if you're the series is, from what I know is like that it's very kind of masochist or not masochistic, but uh like patriarchal. Yeah. Well well it's well it's from the it's from the perspective of the time when it was like the show itself isn't mm-hmm. the show itself isn't like a patriarchal kind of thing like uh like one of the main characters Peggy Olsen played by Elizabeth Moth anyways but like one of those main characters like you it's right in the first seasons right away but like you watch her go from being a timid new secretary to to uh, one of the copywriters so one of the mm-hmm. creative personnel in the advertising agency and it's you know it's a huge it's a huge unheard of kind of jump for a woman to kind of do that kind of thing. They, they kind of follow that, and it's definitely it's definitely there's lots of themes of patriarchy and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But you know, I feel like you know, I feel like yeah, there that those themes are about as subtle as the necromantic themes. <laughs> <laughs> so it is very it is it's very in your face about it. It's like yeah. it's like it's a driving part of the plot that that they are not much stronger patriarchal society than today you know but um Allegedly. strong strong in the sense that patriarchy is stronger whatever i don't know how to say things like that but um but yeah it's a decent thing and the only reason why i would suggest someone who watches mad men to watch necromantic is because mad men is a very uh you got to get the point subtly like a character will be yelling at another character about something and it's about something in their life like in the story Mm -hmm. but really it's about the other character's life gotcha kind of thing it's like that kind of plays with that kind of depth and that's kind of another thing about about um this film in particular is that there's very little dialogue honestly really it's just action it's kind of a a david lynchian kind of feel yeah you were showing me the david lynch things so it's like it's like more of like a like a it's very yeah action driven statement of action but not it's action driven in the in the in the the sense you're supposed to look at what's happening how it happens and how it develops and you're supposed to draw your own conclusions from it which is a very hard thing to do when it's also playing at the shock game i feel (laughs) i feel like this is why it's this is i feel like even if it was the most artistically you know, solid representations of the little death versus actual death and what the two different things mean. I feel like because it's got all this shock value and like they're going for like, okay, let's use actual videos of bunnies. Let's watch, let's get a pus filled corpse in here for the sex scene. And like, let's do that three times actually. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I feel like, uh, I feel like those things can be explored but like because of the shock value it's not going to reach a certain audience mm-hmm. and i feel like the majority of that certain audience would be the ones who understand the subtle aspects of the reason why they're doing this like i feel like i feel like you are very yeah, you don't accidentally watch necromantic yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're not going through tnt <laughs> 
there's a rerun of Monk, and then right after, there's Necromantic. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's Top Gun. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it's like you've got to be a very specific portion of the population. There's like a Venn diagram of people who want to see like like that kind of that offbeat, obscure, shocking kind of thing, that, that real uh, counterculture kind of thing. And then there's the people who are who just want to look deep into something kind of want that so it's like there's a venn diagram here of a very small <laughs> market that this thing is aimed for which is you perfectly in <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> it is it is i feel like this is not the next titanic no i feel like this if they were going for that stretch i hope they made their money back in whatever way they're still selling dvds they've got necromantic one you said was it one or two the original is uh, that's rare, more rare is two, two more rare two is more rare i believe okay so one just came out with a blu-ray then yeah so yeah they're still reproducing it they're still making new versions of it so obviously obviously it's making somebody something you know, I I don't. It doesn't paper mache cock. I don't think they put that much money into it. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and say it's a profitable enterprise for them. But you know, it's going to have a low riding audience. <laughs> it's gonna. It's not gonna. It's it's that is a cult film. Like when people talk about the Big Lebowski being a cult film, no, it's not. <laughs> the Big Lebowski is not a cult film. It's just a film with that a lot of people like. And a lot of people like to quote, like Necromantic, that is a cult film. That's a movie that you got to be a certain kind of person to even hear of. And you got to, you got to, you got to be able to have a conversation about it. You got to have an open mind about it. You got to understand where it's like, you got to understand that it's not just shock, which given the fact that it's so shocking, you know, how can you get over that? So it's like, that is a, that is the definitive I feel like definition of cult film. And like when people go on about other things, like what's that one where they throw spoons at the screen, like the room or something like that. But it's like, you know, if you can get a whole theater together to watch something, it's not a cult film. Like, (laughs) do you think you can get a whole theater together to watch Necromantic? Maybe like if you probably, if you worked real hard at it, very targeted advertising. Like I, like you'd probably have to go to that, that uh, convention you did where you met uh, the trauma fella. Yeah, the uh, the Motor City Nightmare. Kind yeah, of yeah, you go go to Motor City Nightmares. Maybe have a booth there, like yeah. shepherd people in for it. But like, um, but yeah, no, you can't just have like a big Lebowski night and then like advertise it on Facebook and then get a full theater out of it. It's not like you could do something like that with it. So I feel like this is the more of the genuine cult thing. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> I like it. I like it better that way. <laughs> so that is actually like a decent hour-long podcast and it was just you and me and there was no gaps no one talked over each other it's going to be really easy to edit at most it'll shrink down 10 minutes once i get the thinking about words out okay but that's not a big deal this is a good scott cast this is my favorite scott cast so far i'm going to go on record on scott cast and say this is my favorite scott cast so far i'm glad to contribute finally finally (laughs) all righty everyone fuck off